Hi, everyone, and welcome back to SCORE's podcast, Inside College Admissions. On today's episode, our strategic advisor, Peter Van Buskirk, is going to interview one of our high school counselors. Peter is the owner and founder of Best College Fit and brings over 25 years of experience to college admissions. He's also a contributor to SCORE's blog, so make sure you check out his work there, too. Now over to Peter for today's conversation. Welcome to Inside College Admission, conversations with college advisors about matters affecting the college-going process. My name is Peter Van Buskirk, and I'm joined today by good friend Amy Belstrup, who is the post-secondary counselor at Libertyville High School in Illinois. Welcome, Amy. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing pretty well, thank you. More, more importantly, how are you doing? Uh, uh, you're, what, now six weeks into your academic year? Are things looking like normal? <laughs> Well, normal is not a word I would use, obviously. Um, you know, are we trekking along and, and moving towards, you know, our typical November 1st deadline? Um, yes, we're doing it in a different way, certainly. Um, and just adapting to a life of uncertainty. That's kind of where we live in our daily world anymore is you, you never know what the next day is going to bring. But um, we're making it. I think we're going to be okay. Do the best you can with what you have. Well, tell us a little bit about uh, how Libertyville has approached instructional activity this fall. I suspect the spring kind of ended in a fire drill. Uh, what about the fall? How's the thing, how are things started for you? Yeah, great question. So um, we started the year remotely, which we are still in that format. So um, our students are uh, Monday through Friday, they are taking classes in a block format, kind of a modified block. So they'll have four classes in one day on most days of the week. Wednesday, um, we just recently decided to make Wednesdays an asynchronous day. So the teachers, you know, touch base with students, give them assignments, but they are able to work on their own pace, own needs at that time. In a couple of weeks, um, we are anticipating going hybrid and bringing students back to campus. So right at the end of October. So we're gearing up for that. Teachers are figuring out how to, students had the choice um, of being remote or in person. And about 70% of our students elected to come back to school. So we're getting ready for that and prepping for what that will look like for teachers who will be teaching to both groups of students simultaneously, things like that. Sounds like a lot of moving parts uh, on your campus right now. <laughs> That's an understatement, yes. Well, as, as you deal with those moving parts uh, within the context of the college application process, what do you find are the biggest pandemic-related challenges that you and your colleagues are facing uh, as you try to support that application process this fall? Yeah, you know, I think the... The biggest thing we are challenged by is how to communicate all the, as you said, moving parts related to the application process out to students and parents um, to make sure the seniors feel confident in their application processes. We're, if anything, we're over-communicating while still trying to retain some high-touch things online, that kind of thing. Um, just as an example, yesterday was a drop-in day in our college resource center. So we had a Zoom link and uh, students could just pop in. They could have an essay read. They could ask us a simple application question. We could have a breakout room where we could have a you know more private conversation. And you know ultimately, we probably talked to 20 students in that day. 
which would be probably pretty comparable to what we would see in person. You know, if we did that every day, I'd feel pretty good with a senior class of, you know, about 475. That would be okay. So, so we're, we're, we're managing it. We're just getting creative about how we're doing it. Are, are you sensing any unusual levels of anxiety, though, among the students as they connect with you? Yes. You know, some of it's very typical for this time of year. Certainly, you know, senior anxiety is nothing new. We've been dealing with that for years. But um, I think seniors are faced with some different questions this year. For example, today, October 15th, our state SAT results are releasing. So for some of these seniors, this was the only test they were able to take. For others, they've been trying to figure out, okay, if I have an ACT or an SAT, is this a score I want to send with my applications? Do I want to share it with colleges? It's, it's so nuanced, right? Because uh, it depends on the student, their score, what colleges are on their list. So I think that has been a real concern for students and they're stressing about it. Um, and I don't blame them. The other thing is how to apply. I haven't honestly had a ton of early decision conversations this year. And I'm, I'm thinking that's probably on purpose, uh, you know, students have had a hard time with that. You know, they, they know that it can maybe be a good thing for them, but they're very scared to commit. If the pandemic has showed us anything, it's that, you know, life can change on a dime. And uh, how do you commit to a future that you're still not 100% sure what it's going to look like? Well, sure. And an early decision does presuppose the a thorough vetting of the institution on the part of Correct. the student, which would involve um, an immersion on campus, maybe staying overnight, going to classes, all, all the things you can't do right now. So exactly. That, that is the real conundrum, I guess, that it, you recognize the potential advantage to that application, but also the real drawbacks if you're not ready to commit. So you're not seeing, at least at this point, an increase or change in the early decision tendencies of students, or are you? You know, it, it's something I always know better come, you know, mid-November when students have finally made that decision. But I would say it's looking comparable to last year, if not fewer students. I, I'm anticipating it will probably be fewer. Would you say the same for early action as well? Uh, no, early action is still alive and well at Libertyville High School. Um, they, we will have a, a good chunk of our students are going to try and meet those early deadlines. We are very appreciative of those colleges that pushed them out a couple of weeks. The fact that a few schools were, uh, I'm just going to say, kind enough to take the student's uh, anxiety level into effect and push those out a little bit, we greatly appreciate that. Everybody's trying to get things done and it just takes a little longer to do it all from a distance. Absolutely. Now, I would imagine also that uh, talking with kids about their college lists in a very fundamental way is different now too, because uh, they always start with a dream list and then begin to work in certain directions, again, based on the experiences they can have. Do, do you find yourself giving uh, some general orientation to students with regard to list development now that perhaps you wouldn't have in the past? Oh, yeah. No, I, we, in fact, I think our counseling department as a whole, and certainly I did, stepped out with the message of, you know, really think about your list in a broader context this year. Um, certainly, we all look to the future with optimism, but, you know, I highly recommended that students have an in-state option, 
you know, for many of our students, you know, we typically send about 70% of our students to out-of-state colleges, recognizing that one of our state near bordering states is literally 10 minutes up the road. So they can go to schools in that state sometimes more easily than in-state. But just really encouraging families to have a financially practical, pragmatic option on their list and to think more broadly about just keeping doors open. You know, is college the absolute, you know, final thing that you have to have on your list? Or do you want to look at gap year or finding a work experience or doing something in the trades or, you know, ROTC, there's so many different options available to them that um, my hope is just by reinforcing that you can look at all of these things simultaneously and make a decision later has been helpful to some. I have had a number of students who've said, yeah, you know, I'm really keeping community college in my back pocket or thinking I might take a year just to see how things go. That's great as far as I'm concerned. Well, and, and you know from your previous life in college admission that a lot of the students who, who come into the process after having some time away come with a greater sense of purpose, focus, determination to perform well. I mean, pedagogically, it's, it's hard to argue against the gap year, but still there seems to be some skepticism about, you'd probably hear parents say, well, I'm afraid if she doesn't go next year, she'll never go to college. What do you say to that? I hear it all the time. And it's a common misconception, myth, whatever you want to call it. I have never had a student return from, let's just call it a gap year experience, whatever that looks like and not be transformed by it into someone who is more focused and more motivated and more sure and confident with themselves to be able to then go to college and know that they're ready. It's such a great experience, I think, for students. What's difficult right now is that even gap years are hard to predict. What, what could that look like? It's not, you know, that, hey, I can go to Europe and travel and learn a new language or, you know, do an immersion of some kind. Yeah, that's not going to happen right now, but what's available in your backyard to, you know, try on a career and shadow with someone, maybe create an internship, maybe create a year of service just in your community. I mean, there's so many different things students can do, but it takes getting a little creative, thinking outside the box. Absolutely. Now, we, we just touched briefly a couple of minutes ago on testing. What are you hearing from colleges about testing as, as an absolute requirement? I mean, there seems to be a, a bit of a surge among institutions that are test optional. Are your kids seeing that? Yeah, for sure. I think with the vast majority of, I guess I would say popular colleges that our students apply to, they are test optional. Now, obviously, some went there kicking and screaming and dragging their feet, and others were more, I guess, adept at making that that pivot. Mm-hmm. And I get that. As you said, having worked on the admission side, I know how systems have to be reworked and managed to be able to suddenly make admission decisions potentially without a key criteria. But, you know, there are those schools that are still either what they're calling test flexible or who have, you know, imposed some sort of a caveat on the, the their testing requirement. And students are trying to manage that. It, it's funny, at the beginning of the school year, as I talked to seniors, they were really, I think, still trying to figure out how can I still send my test score? And now when it's getting closer to the time to actually submit their application, I'm hearing more of a, you know what? I'm just going to go test optional. I'm not going to submit it. And 
I am supportive of that. You know, obviously you and I, I'm sure are in very similar wavelengths with testing, but I think by, okay, I'm just going to put this out there by forcing colleges to make decisions without that factor, that element of a score, it's going to show them that they can do it and that they can admit qualified students who will be successful at their institutions, who will enroll who will earn scholarship, who can do all of these things, and nobody's going to get hurt. <laughs> nobody's going to lose out. So that's my hope. Well, and I interviewed a bunch of deans of admission in the spring about many of these same things. And uh, on the subject of test optional, one opined that in his career, every school that he's seen or been associated with that, is, that have experimented with a test option has never gone back. So, you know, it's, you're right, uh, colleges hold the information uh, because of validity studies they do on a regular basis that shows that they can make good decisions without test results. Uh, in many ways, the testing has maybe made the process a little easier in narrowing the numbers, but uh, you're right, they're going to have to figure out new ways of doing things right now. And I think we should consider that an exciting opportunity for us. Correct. And, and of course, once we can convince the, the students that it's okay to apply without the test. I mean, they're, they're living in a unique period right now where um, there's never been a better time to be applying to college with modest scores <laughs> because you can hide them if you want. Yep, exactly. Talking about the assessment process, not only has testing taken on a different look uh, this year, but because of the great disruption to the classroom experience last spring and again this fall, there's an awful lot of uncertainty. And I suspect you probably hear after testing from families, a lot of angst about, well, this is messed up for us for the last eight months. Well, colleges know. How are you and your colleagues directly communicating with colleges about things happening at Libertyville High School, but also how are you coaching the, the students to own that part of the explanation for themselves? Right? Yeah. So it's an excellent question. And I'm going to try my best to answer it. I think that on our school profile, we, we have a basic COVID-19 statement about how we are handling and adapting to the pandemic and how it's impacting our instructional model. I think that high schools are within their culture and their community. They're all trying to figure out how best to provide, I want to say almost like an essential curriculum to students. What are the things that they need to know for it, whether it's an AP class or, you know, a college prep English class, what are the skills that students need to be able to come away with that? And that is a teacher's challenge. And, um, you know, I think what they're rising to is trying to figure out how best to teach to that. I honestly, I think that Overall, what I am hearing from students and parents is that's not a concern right now, that they are not Good. worried about the quality of instruction. They know that teachers are bending over backwards to you know, try and make this truly um, an innovative and yet fulfilling uh, educational experience for students. Um, and I can understand why colleges might be worried about that, but knowing that students are learning in a whole new way and adapting to it and that they're going to bring that new skill with them to a college experience that may also be changing, you know, maybe more online, maybe more of a hybrid kind of a, a setting. Mm -hmm. I think this is actually going to bring more adaptable students to a college community. 
I guess I'm, I'm trying to put a positive spin on it, but I haven't had a lot of concern from families that, you know, our kids are missing out. I think that maybe that's one of the benefits of remote is that if parents are working from home, they're able to see the quality of the instruction that their students are actually sure. getting. Do they want their kids to be in person? They maybe, yeah, that could still be something they want for their student, but um, it's not because the teachers aren't doing their level best to make it quality for them. Mm -hmm. Well, for sure. We're talking a little bit now about communication from institutions to the students and, and, and you and your students to the institutions. Uh, many of the traditional uh, methods of, of, of outreach from the college to the students have gone away, at least for a short while here. Uh, I'm thinking now about college fairs, open houses, school visits from the college reps. What's, what's happening now in the place of those things? Do you, do you find that your students are still having access to the people they need to, to talk to on the college campuses? Oh, absolutely. If, not, if anything, they have more access in some ways. Actually, yesterday, we did a kind of an essay review with a real live admission counselor um, because I was not able to do my typical before school essay workshop with my seniors. I brought that group of admission counselors in who are part of my faculty for that workshop, and they met with students online. So about uh, 60 plus kids um, had a chance to meet online with one of our admission colleagues who gave them immediate feedback on their essay, even if it didn't matter if they were applying to that person's school or not. It was just to give them, you know, the admission counselor's perspective on it. But I had a chance to check in with all of those folks. And there are definitely silver linings to our virtual college rep visits right now. We were doing maybe four for school and about four after school. So about eight schools have the opportunity to meet with our seniors. We're also combining with a couple of other neighboring high schools. So they're, they're meeting with three high schools at one time. And even though it's, it's not the same personal connection, it's not the energy that you get from talking to a, a room full of kids or one student right in front of you, they're really good conversations. And uh, the kids are asking great questions. Almost every one of the reps has been like, if you have questions, let me know, email me. I may be able to meet with you online. I know many students have had individual uh, Zoom calls with a college rep, which is wonderful. So I think there are some of the, even though college, I think colleges are probably more stressed about it than kids are, but everybody is relying on the tried and true um, methods of, you know, trying to communicate. I see these students' inboxes as I'm helping them out with uh, things online they're out of control. Oh my gosh, they're getting so many college emails and uh, it's, uh, <laughs> they just ignore them. So uh, God bless the colleges for trying, but that that's not working. <laughs> they, they're overwhelmed with it. If you could see already an innovation that's emerging from either the college side or your, your side of the, the desk that you imagine will be long lasting after the pandemic, what would it be? You know, just I think all of these virtual meetings, I really, we've all, we all had to get very comfortable with them very quickly. Just doing this today is a good example. You know, we, you and I would normally be sitting down and just chit-chatting in person. But I think that everyone has become much more comfortable with an online presence and, and really how to capitalize on that. I, I don't know. I think that that has been one of the biggest things. Um, I think that even with the virtual high school visits that college reps are doing, 
they're not spending time in the car traversing, you know, from one side of town to the other. They're um, not stuck in traffic. They're not, you know, panicked because they're running late because a, a meeting went long. You know, they're they're in a, a different situation. It's the Zoom fatigue that's the drawback of it. But at the same time, I think it's been good. So yeah, that that would be the biggest biggest change. I think that may it may stick. We'll see. Mm-hmm. Changing the direction just a little bit here. I'm, I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about how, from your vantage point, the pandemic is impacting the discussions about cost and affordability with your families. Oh, yeah. Um, so to further complicate things, the state of Illinois, where I, where I am, has added a mandate this year that all families must complete a FAFSA or uh, complete an opt-out form. They, they do have that option if the family does not want to you know, fill out the FAFSA or feels they wouldn't qualify for need-based aid. Um, so conversations are interesting uh, all across the board because of that, but I felt like we had a, an immediate rush of everybody was filling it out, right? Filling out the FAFSA when it released on October 1st. We will be keeping track of that very closely this year because of our mandate, you know, what families are completing the form, what families are choosing not to. But yes, there are definitely conversations I've already had with families where a parent may have lost their job due to the pandemic, and they're trying to anticipate how they're going to navigate that with the individual colleges. Students are definitely walking into this with that eye as well. I've heard more students say this year, well, I've always got our local community college as a backup. You know, I can always do that. And that's something we've always said to them anyway. You've always got that wonderful jewel of a school as an option. Now they really are taking it to heart, I think, because they saw, you know, a few of their friends from maybe last year's class choose that option. They've had that conversation with their parents. They realize, yeah, this there's no shame <laughs> in doing that. There's, it's a great option for them. Well, I would imagine also that the young people who have had the pipe dreams colleges, the romantic notion of what it would be like to go to University of Chicago or Northwestern or an Ivy League school, and and now they're at the point of making decisions. And uh, gosh, is it the same to to get uh, you know an, an education at that school remotely as it would have been to be on their campus? Do we want to spend you know X number of dollars to to support? remote education as opposed to traditional uh, on-campus residential. So I would imagine there, there are just a lot of considerations now. Do you find colleges are, are being pretty transparent about their pricing in light of different instructional models they're rolling out? Or is it all one price fits all? That's a, that's a great question. Right now, I, so I think they're being transparent with their current students, how they're presenting the pricing to seniors and younger students is very much an in-person model. They're, they're saying our cost of attendance is, you know, fill in the blank. They're not saying if we would be in a hybrid or remote, this is what we would charge you. They're not even talking about that. Hmm. Um, I think, again, that's that eternal optimism that we all have that, you know, things will be in a different place by next, by fall of 2021. Mm-hmm. As you talk to parents of current college freshmen, I think that, you know, for those that I've stayed in touch with or friends that have uh, kids in that, that situation, there have been a lot of last minute decisions by colleges in terms of how they're, how they are charging students for 
remote education and that kind of thing. I just talked with a, a student from last year's class who is at home doing remote learning with a school in California. And he has decided that, you know, maybe this isn't my best option. I'm really not enjoying remote learning. It's not, it's, it's not a good fit for me. I really need to be in an in-person kind of situation, even if at that point I'm remote. So he's really thinking about his options right now and is considering withdrawing and, and looking at other, other places to go. So um, I, that's, I think that's a sort of some self-analysis that students have to do. Is this model working for me? And if not, what do I do about it? Exactly. I, I actually, when I asked the question, I hadn't really thought about the students currently on campuses. But you're right; they're they're constant revelations to them about the kind of instruction they're receiving and the related expenses. And conversation I had recently revealed that it, it seems, yes, colleges are taking a big hit this year financially, and the assumption is that, well they're offering remote options here. The remote options got to, I got to get a discounted price on that because it's not the same as being on campus. Well, in many instances, it's costing them more <laughs> to provide the remote option than it is the live in-person option. Right, right. And the quality of the, even though it's the curriculum may be presented in a different way, the credentials of the faculty member teaching haven't changed. Um, you know, the, the expertise that they bring to the classroom doesn't change, what changes is how they deliver the information. So I guess it, it does depend on if some do that better than others, but that's true on campus or remote. So <laughs> Exactly. I, I was interested to hear you talk about your workshop with the students, the essay workshops. Again, when I talked with deans of admission six months ago, we, we talked about the essay and I said, I'll bet you're gearing up for a lot of coronavirus essays. And they would chuckle and they'd say, but that's to be expected because that's what's dominating the lives of young people right now. How are you helping the kid who says, what do I say? I mean, <laughs> I've got an opportunity to write a common application essay. Uh, how, how do I approach this? Uh, how do I, how can I do this in an original way? Yeah, I think that, you know, because Common App added the COVID question, and by all means, students should use that as a place to talk about how this universal experience that we're all having impacted them as an individual, um, be it in a positive or a negative way. I mean, we, we have students who dealt with the virus in, in their own home or in their own person, so they, they should tell that story for sure. But we also have students who've discovered a new uh, passion while they they were in lockdown last spring, and or they created a website, or they learned how to code. You know, there's there's things they've been able to do um, that were very positive experiences for them, and they should share that. For the their general college essay, though, I think our message is still very much tell the college something about you that they don't know. Share with them what you want them to know about you. You know, we every year every senior says, well, what do they want to hear? We always get that question and we always have to flip it and say, they have no agenda. They don't care what you tell them, but you decide what you want to say. And it's been very fun to watch them do that. One, one of the blessings of the pandemic was that students were able to get a jump start on their essays over the summer. And, you know, coming into August, I think they were already starting to think about it. So certainly not all of them, but many of our students had a nice jump start on it and, um, I think came into the fall with a solid 
rough draft and have been able to finesse it from there. As with any year, college essays cover a, a wide spectrum of topics, and that's the joy of reading them and helping kids write them. But there is an underlying current of, you know, because of the pandemic, because of what I've learned about myself during this time, I found that sort of being a thread through many essays. And I think it's totally appropriate. It's certainly not what they're writing about in their main essay, mm -hmm. but you can tell that it's influencing what many of them are saying. Absolutely. And I'm sure you see this as well, but it, I, I think that done well and thoughtfully, the college application preparation process is a, a process of self-discovery for a lot of kids. It can be, you, you've got to be gratified to see many of them grow through the process of applying to college, let alone going to college. Oh, completely. That's, that's the joy of our jobs is watching the growth and the change that happens over senior year. And I, I share that with students and parents often that you know, we're having this discussion today about, you know, the types of colleges that you're considering and, and what's important to you and what you think you want to major in and all of that. And I tell them, you know, when it comes to April and, well, May, potentially, when you're making a final decision, we can be on a totally different page at that point. And that's normal. And that's lovely because it just shows your growth that's happening. And imagine what's going to happen in the next four years as you continue to grow. So. Oh, absolutely. Well, as we wind down here, then I'm, I'm wondering, as you think about the young people that you're working with applying to college, and many of them have bright futures ahead of them, but they're still very anxious because they have to get past today to see what tomorrow will bring. What kind of advice are you providing in general to students who are apprehensive about how things are going to work out, especially in light of this moment we're in? You know, Peter, I think my advice really hasn't changed much. It, it always has been, you know what, things work out the way they're supposed to. Mm -hmm. I hold on to that this year for my students, for all of our students across the country, that things will work out. They always manage to do that, even if it's completely different than what you anticipated. That's because that's how it was supposed to be. And that's the lesson that we take away from it. And that's the joy of this process is really finding out that it is going to be okay. So as much as I am a post-secondary counselor and I help students with colleges and that sort of thing, I'm also just about quelling the anxiety and saying it's going to be okay. And it, it always is. So I have to hold on to that. <laughs> Amy, I want to thank you very much for, for taking time to, to join us and to share your thoughts about the work you're doing with students at Libertyville High School. And I know they're very lucky to have you and your colleagues, given uh, your long years of, of expertise and insight. But thank you again. I hope that what we've discussed today is of use to the listeners, and we'll, we'll look forward to having more conversations as part of Inside College Admission. Thank you again to, to Amy. Uh, best wishes to all of you. Have a great day and be safe. Take care. Thank you, Peter.